All right, we hope that you were able to enjoy that worship set and once again, are so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service today. Now today what we're doing is we're actually going into part four of our Life of Faith series. And today we're going to be focusing on the life of Moses, the prophet of the Old Testament who was used by God to lead the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt into the promised land of modern day Israel and the lessons of faith that he learned there. Now we know that the entire book of, uh, I'm sorry, the entire portion of scripture, which is known as the Torah, the Pentateuch, written by the hand of Moses, was a summation of God's interaction with his people during that time, particularly in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But in the book of Hebrews, they summarize some of the lessons that Moses learned by faith during that period of time that actually apply to us today in our walks with God as we're attempting to follow him by faith into the life that he's called us to in Christ. And so today we're going to break this message down into three parts. We're going to talk about the faith of the parents. We're going to talk about the reckoning of the sons. And then finally, we're going to talk about the crossing of the Red Sea. I'll repeat that. We're talking about the faith of the parents, the reckoning of the sons, and then finally, the crossing of the Red Sea that all of us need to come to in our walks with God. And so, if you have a Bible, you can open with me today to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be starting in verse 23. But before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that you've given it to us that we might actually know how to walk with you by faith into the life of freedom and promise that you've given us. God, we're asking you today that by your word, you would help us to learn the principles of what it means to interact with you, to look with you, and even to receive breakthrough in our lives by the faith that you've given us, exemplified by the patriarchs and the matriarchs, and that you employ in our lives today as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, help us. Amen. All right. And so God said in his word that it, again, it is without faith. It's impossible to please him because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. That was the premise of Hebrews chapter 11 as he looks at, as the writer of Hebrews is, again, recapitulating the life of the matriarchs and the patriarchs who walked with God, but were able to come into the purposes of God by faith. And so we read this today about the patriarch Moses. It said in verse 23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater, of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And so what we see is that God is setting up for us in the life of Moses an example of the importance of parents in their lives of their developing faith of their children 
children having to have a time of reckoning with God in their own faith, in their walk with Him. And then finally, all of us coming to a place where we've got to see God work miraculously and supernaturally in our lives to go to the life of promise that He has for us, crossing the metaphorical Red Sea in our lives as well. So let's start by talking about the faith of parents. Now, many of you have either been parents for a while or uh, are, are part of this blossoming within our church community where people are having children um, at a time where uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, one of the great rewards and one of the great joys that we've seen is many children being born during that time. Now, the thing about it is, is that though it was a difficult time, we thank God that he was with us during that time and is going to be with us after. And what we see is that God is with his people even during times of trial. And by faith, we understand that God's love is not uh, ameliorated, it's not lessened, it is not um, removed from us because of the trials that we experience, but God's love is maintained and God's love is experienced even in the midst of trials, many times in ways that we don't experience when only we're, we're only enjoying the benefits of blessing, right? And so we see that that was the case in the time of the Israelites when they were in slavery for 400 plus years in the land of Egypt. Now, the Israelites at that time were children of promise. They had been given the promises that were given to the patriarch Abraham that God was going to make them into a mighty nation. And in the time of Joseph, who was Abraham's grandson, the Israelites had gone down to Egypt from, um, from Canaan, modern-day Israel, down to Egypt to escape the famine that had um, existed in the land at that time. And there in the land of Egypt, because of the blessing that was on Joseph and his family, as Joseph was second in command to Pharaoh at the time, God gave the Israelites the land of Goshen in the midst of Egypt. And though there were plagues that were um, going to ultimately come upon Egypt as God was taking the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, the land of Goshen would not be subject to those same plagues. And in the same way, we see that God has been with his people, helping his people, even in the time of trial, to help them overcome that which the world was experiencing. And we know that we've all um, um, had trial and many of us have suffered loss, but that does not eradicate the love of God towards us. But what we see is that as the Israelites multiplied in Egypt during their time uh, there living in the land of Goshen. It said they multiplied to the point that Pharaoh, uh, who had received the Israelites in the time of Joseph, had passed on. He had passed away. And another Pharaoh ra uh, was raised up and rose up who neither knew Joseph nor what Joseph had been used by God to do for uh, Egypt and Israel. And so when he saw this great multiplication of the Hebrew people in the land of Egypt, he began to be concerned. And even the other Egyptians at the time began to be, uh, feel a sense of threat because they said these Israelites over this past 400 years came down only 70 in number, but have now multiplied 
in having great blessing upon their lives and children in their lives so that they number in the millions now. And we're so concerned about them that, listen, we need to enslave them because if they ever decide to rise up against us as Egyptians in the land in which they're living, we would be overthrown. So what the Pharaoh and the Egyptians did during that time is they decided to enslave the Israelites who were still the people of promise, the people of God of promise in the land of Egypt at the time. And thus we get the record of the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt. And we pick it up here where we see that Pharaoh was so threatened by the Israelites, so threatened by their um, ability to procreate that at the time of Moses' birth, he said, listen, there needs to be a stop to this. And if any of you see a Hebrew woman who's having a child, I want you to get rid of the son. I want you to get rid of all the sons so that the Hebrews won't continue to multiply and be a threat to us in the land in which we live. And it said that in verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict to have those male children killed. Now, when he's talking about the fact that the parents of Moses saw that the child was beautiful, we all think our children are beautiful, right? Even though many times they look like aliens coming out of the mother's womb, we all think they're the cutest and greatest bundles of joy in life that we've ever seen, right? And what God's talking about here was not that just that his parents thought that they were that Moses was beautiful physically, but in the NIV, it actually translates it this way, that they when they saw that Moses was no ordinary child, when they saw that he was no ordinary child, they hid him for three months. And that's where Moses ended up amongst the reeds, amongst the water, being hidden with his sister um, on looking, Miriam on looking to see what would happen and how Moses ultimately ended up in the house of Pharaoh being foster parented or adopted as Pharaoh's daughter's own son. It was because of this passage right here. His parents, by faith, saw that Moses was no ordinary child and said, you know what, we're not going to bow to the pressures of Pharaoh that is going to tell us to kill our child. We're not going to offer up our child in sacrifice to those things that the world around us is telling us must happen with our children. And nowadays in our culture and in our society, the, the governments of the world and the world in which we live are pretty much overstepping their bounds and telling you as a parent, as a child of God, how to raise your own children. And though God says, here are my commands who are to be obeyed. Here is the way that I want you to walk in and I want you to teach your children after you to walk in. The world around us is telling us what you should think as a parent and what you should teach your children. They're telling you what they should uh, value. They're telling you what they should think about the world around them, what they should think about the tide of the culture, what music they should listen to, what way they should dress, how attached they should 
should be to the online community that they have that's really destroying many of their lives. It's destroying many children in their self-image, their body image, and their ability to interact in a healthy mental state with the world around them when they're experiencing such things as cyberbullying and the like. And all the while, the world is telling you as a parent what you should do with your child, that this is just the way of the world, this is just the way it should go, and this is the way that if you're a normal parent, you need to give your child over to these things. And ultimately, children are being sacrificed without the intervention of parents of faith to the ways of the world. And they're growing up with baggage that you and I might not have even received or had to deal with growing up because we weren't exposed to the same technological advancements that are meant for good, but the enemy has used for evil in the lives of the children around us. But here's the thing, just as in the case with Moses' parents, you don't have to go the way of all the world. As a parent, you have a responsibility to raise your children in faith and according to the commands of God. You don't have to go the way of the old of the way of the rest of the world, giving them free access to all of the darkness that's there in the, on, on the internet that's cut that the enemy is literally using to steal from, kill, and destroy your children's lives. But God is saying that you can raise them by faith a different way. And instead of letting them go the way of the old, uh, way of the world, uh, attempting for them to just be like everybody else, you can metaphorically hide them just as God hid Moses through his parents' actions. And literally, as Moses was able to be hidden for those three months, while the king's edict was to kill all of the male children at the time, he, they were, Moses was hidden and then ultimately taken into Pharaoh's court to ultimately not be on the back burner and not actually miss some of the development and the uh, and some of the accolades and some of the places that God wanted him to go. But ultimately, God placed him in Pharaoh's court so that he could be trained in the ways of Egypt. He ultimately, the scripture says, became a military commander, someone of great stature. And so it does mean that God has a holy calling on your children. Some of them are going to be called to be doctors. Some of them are going to be called to be lawyers. Some of them are going to be called to be great business leaders. Some of them are going to be called to be great politicians. Some of them are going to be called to be great entertainers, artists, or homemakers. And all of them with a great call of God that if you choose to do something different than the ways of the world will not prevent them from being or becoming that which God has called them to be. He says, do things according to the ways of God, and God will make sure that they're placed exactly where they need to be for his heavenly call. And as a parent, you need to understand that ultimately your charge is to raise children of faith. Your children are to be used in the hand of God to, number one, know their God, and then because they know him, do great exploits in Christ Jesus' name. So what that means is that from a young age, as a parent, your primary responsibility is to raise children who know how to know God, love God, and seek God for his purposes in their lives. 
That's why the proverb tells us that we should train a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they'll not turn from it. And what that partly means is that God bends children towards a certain way and manner. He puts certain gifts and talents inside of them through which they are meant to not only know but glorify God with their lives in all types of crafts and industry and all types of ways where they're cultivating the earth to the glory of God according to God's ways. But it starts with the intervention of parent, with the intervention of parents who by faith hide their children from the ways of the world and instead trust God to place them in the places that they need to be to develop so that they might actually be used as an arrow in the hand of the Lord shot into this generation for his kingdom and gospel purposes. But it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to be active in your children's lives. It takes faith to teach them who God is according to the scripture, who his son Jesus is, about his sinless life, his miracles, his death on the cross and sacrifice for their sins, as well as yours, his resurrection from the dead because of his innocence, offering not only forgiveness of sins for your children and yourself, but new life for them and eternal life to boot. It takes faith for a parent to continually remind their children that God has a call on their life, that when they have repented of their own sin and put their trust in Jesus, that God says they are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared in advance for them to do. But this is the type of faith that the parents of Moses exemplified, and it's the type of faith that we're to walk in today. Do not think that you have to offer up your children to the king's edict. Do not think that you have to offer your children to the ways of the world. You can, by faith, be proactive in raising your children to be people of faith. God gave your children to you, or one day will give children to you as a stewardship. And it is not the government, it is not any other family member who might not know the Lord, it is not anyone else but you who has that stewardship to raise them in the fear and the knowledge of God. To know Christ Jesus, his ways, and his purposes for their lives, to encourage them in that. And we do that all by faith. It starts with the faith of the parents. But in everybody's life, it comes to a point where there's a time of reckoning. And that time of reckoning was one that Moses experienced himself. And it said, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And so ultimately, at some point, it has got to be understood that it's not going to be the faith of the parents that's going to carry the child, but because you've raised them in an environment of faith, of seeking God in prayer, acknowledging God in all his ways, that he might make their path straight, then there's a time of reckoning where 
who they're going to be identified with has to be their own. And their faith ultimately is theirs. Where they say, my faith is not just based on my walk, the walk that my parents have with God, but I have a walk with God myself. And I've got to choose in and of myself, no longer to be associated with the fleeting pleasures of sin that even my friends, my peers around me are, um, are, are filling themselves with. Because I myself am looking ahead to the reward of God's promise of not just forgiveness, but a heavenly eternal reward for those who would love and obey Christ as he commands them to follow him in all his ways. And each of our children need to come to a point where they say, God, now's my time to follow you. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to be baptized in water myself, and I'm going to look ahead to the reward of God as I choose to myself live by faith in what you've called me to be and to do. And matter of fact, I'm not going to fear the king's anger. You see, when Moses was coming out and talking to Pharaoh, saying, let my people go, he said that to Pharaoh over and over again amidst the plagues that were being wrought against Egypt. And one of the things that he understood was that Pharaoh wasn't going to be too happy about the fact that his slave force was being, his free labor was being released into the world to go out into the wilderness and worship God. But he knew that God was greater than Pharaoh that God was greater than any enemy that he would ever experience or face. And so he, with the confidence in God's authority, God's sovereignty, and God's ultimate reward, didn't fear the king's wrath when he came to challenge his authority in the Israelites' lives. But he says, these people who you've enslaved don't belong to you, but they belong to God. And ultimately, he chose to speak a word to Pharaoh that led to the Israelites' deliverance. And in the same way, the time of reckoning needs to come for each and every one of you. And maybe you're here on the, uh, virtual, in the virtual space today saying, I've never had a time of reckoning in my own life. I've never let the faith of my parents transfer to me. I've never had a moment where I've turned from my sin and put my trust in Jesus to follow him wholeheartedly. But I'm telling you, if that's you, now is your time. Now is your time to say, you know what? I'm done with the slavery to my addictions, to my lust. I'm done with my slavery to drunkenness. I'm done with my slavery to sexual immorality. I'm done with anything that identifies me other than the living God who loved me and made me by his power and for his purposes. Because ultimately I see that it's destroying my life. It has a false, a false representation of freedom. But ultimately, that freedom which I think I have really has me doing things that I can't help doing. The slavery that I find myself in is guised in freedom, but ultimately I'm down, I'm insecure, I'm depressed. My mental health is gone because I'm living a po in an opposition to God and his ways. But here's the good news. Just like Moses came to the Israelites and said, God has come, has heard your cries, and has come to set you free. In moments just like these, God comes to say, you can be free too. It's not just your parents telling you there's a God who loves you and made you for his purposes, but there's a God in heaven who through his word says, I've come to deliver you and set you free. And even if you've called yourself a Christian, but have never been born again, 
Now is your moment to do that, where you say, Jesus, you're going to be Lord of my life. Not my old master, Pharaoh, not my old master or even father, one who I've been fathered by, the devil, and doing the things that the devil does. I'm going to be fathered by the living God and adopted into his family as a son through Jesus Christ and his cross for me. If that's you today, this is your moment to repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus, and ultimately have your time of reckoning with God. And when you do so, you begin to keep new rituals. You have new habits in your life. Just like Moses and the Israelites did as they were coming out of their slavery in Egypt. It's not enough that you have a moment of reckoning saying, I'm not just a spiritual person, but I'm today a follower of Jesus Christ. But it's how you live that out that matters. And what God gave Moses for the Israelites was certain celebrations, certain rhythms in their life by which they would keep God's purposes and his person priority in their lives. And one of those celebrations, one of those rhythms was the celebration of the Passover. And it said in verse 28, by faith, he, meaning Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And what was he talking about there? He said, by faith, by trust in God and obedience to his commands, he gave me a word to put the blood of the sacrificial lambs on the door of all the Israelites so that in the last and the final plague against the Egyptians, the killing of the firstborn so that they were finally like, get out of here, Israelites. We know judgment has come upon us because we've held you enslaved while God wanted to set you free. God said he would look on the door frames of the Israelites, see the blood, and the destroying angel would pass over the Israelites' homes. Now, that was part of the great exodus, the great exodus of the Israelites coming out of their slavery into the freedom of Christ. But what it was doing, it was foreshadowing the great Passover lamb. When Jesus showed up on the scene, uh, John the Baptist pointed to him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when we put our trust in Christ, ultimately, though we deserve judgment because of our sin and rebellion against God, God, when he sees the blood of Christ, covering us because we've submitted to his lordship and put our faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. There's a passing over of us as well. And we no longer are in expectation of experiencing the wrath of God, but instead have had a Passover experience ourselves. But here's the point. It's not enough that we just come into relationship with God. He says, celebrate the Passover with the people of God. And what God does is he puts rhythms in place and puts community in place by which you continually recognize the preeminence of Christ in your life, the preeminence of his sacrificial death on the cross, burial and resurrection, and with the people of God, go with him together into his purposes. And that's why the writer of Hebrews, a chapter before in Hebrews chapter 10 says, we should not forsake the gathering of the brethren, the people of God, as some are in the habit of doing, but we should instead encourage one another and all the more as we see the day of judgment approaching. 
We should provoke one another to love and good deeds. We should be spurring one another on to honor Christ in holiness and righteousness and also to do the things which God has called us individually and as a people to do. But we do that all by faith. When we have our time of reckoning, it's not just the faith that's been passed down to us, but we begin to get, get into our Bible ourselves and say, I am going to obey the commands of God and walk in not only the freedom of the purposes that he has for me. By faith, Moses kept the Passover in the same way. By faith, may we keep the same rhythms of God to ultimately lead that lead to his purposes along with his people. And ultimately, it allows us to cross the Red Sea. See, the Israelites, even as they came out of Egypt, they were going to their place of freedom in modern-day Canaan. But before they could get there, they had a great obstacle to cross, and that was the Red Sea. And God said that ultimately he would be their deliverer, performing yet another miracle, opening up the Red Sea so that they could pass through to their freedom. And do you know that God is not just interested in performing one miracle in your life? But God is repeatedly performing miracles and is available to perform miracles in your life as you live by faith in him, his commands and his purposes for your life. The truth is, is when you're coming out and you're coming into the purposes of God, you will face obstacles. You will face trials and you will face mountains that are seemingly immovable. But by faith, God is when we available so that when we cry out to him and we stand on his promises, he opens up that which seemed to be impassable. He moves that which seems to be immovable, whether it be an obstacle relationally, whether it be a, an obstacle in terms of a career pursuit, whether it be an obstacle in some sort of ministry where you're believing for loved ones, whether neighbors, family members, friends or co-workers to get saved and come out of their death into life. God says, I'm the miracle worker who opens the Red Sea. And that's why it says in verse 29, by faith, the people cross the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And ultimately, that is the truth of the gospel, that we cannot stand before God on our own. We can't stand before God on our own good works or efforts like the Egyptians tried to by their own ability without relationship with God actually attempt to do miraculous things. God said it's only when we're clothed with the wedding garments of Christ coming to the great banquet of the Lamb will we be able to stand before him approved and righteous before him. And by faith in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection do we live not only when we make our first decision for him, but every time that we need a miracle in our life. We don't have seen miracles because of our good or righteous behavior, but because of our faith in our King our faith in our great deliverer, our faith in the one who first opened the sea to our freedom and continually will open them to every purpose to which he's called us in Christ Jesus as we love him and follow him by faith. So this is a point, people of God. You might have had the faith of your parents at one point, but at some point you have a miracle working God who calls you to an account and says, I'm having a time of reckoning with you. Where not, not only is it going to be the faith of your parents, but it's going to be your own faith on which you stand. And as you walk with God, you will 
face trial. You will face obstacles. But God calls you in those moments to, by faith, remember that the same God who worked the plagues to bring you out of Egypt is the same God when you're at the crossing of the Red Sea who will open the sea for you and perform miracles in your life when you cry out to him by that same faith. So may we today commit to honoring God in all of his ways, saying, God, I'm with you. I'm identified with you. I'm leaving the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I'm believing that because you said I can live free, I will be free. And because you said you've called me to these purposes, whether in life, relationship, career, or ministry, God, regardless of the obstacle, you're a miracle-working God, and I will fulfill those purposes in you because of your promises in Jesus' name. You started in me what you intend to complete in me. God, you are starting in a finishing God all by your miracle power, and you will do it in me today. And so if we can go to God with that faith, not only will he be pleased, but we'll see God's hand moving in our lives each and every day in Jesus' mighty name. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters today. And I thank you that regardless of where they are, whether they are parents beginning on their journey of raising children of faith, or they're <clears throat> people who've been raised in a household where they might have been exposed to faith, but now are having a time of reckoning where the faith becomes their own. God, I pray that you would give them confidence in your miracle work and character and ability. And not if, but when they face obstacles, that they would learn how to cry out to you in prayer, by faith, to see open seas, mountains moved, and walls coming down. God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that you would help your people be an enduring and a persevering people. That they would be able to see you who is invisible and cling to the promises of your word that they might see the testimonies of your deliverance, freedom, and ultimately eternal purposes fulfilled in their lives in Jesus' name. God, give our parents wisdom and insight as they raise their children, <coughs> excuse me, and give each individual faith faith to live according to your commands in Jesus name. Amen. And now if there's anybody today who says, you know what? I've never bowed my knee to Jesus. I've never come out of my slavery to my old ways. And I need to put my trust in the Lord, his death, burial, and resurrection at the cross today. Would you play this prayer with me and come into the freedom of Christ, the invitation to new life that he asked for you today? God can not only pardon you and forgive you, but he can free you enabling you to live different by faith today. Almighty God, I pray for my friends today who are on this um, uh, virtual space, who are in this virtual space. And we say together, God, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for coming after us and pursuing us even when we didn't know you. And God, we're asking you that you would <coughs> forgive us of our sins today. We know that our rebellion through our rebellion, we deserve death and hell, but we don't want it. And we're asking you to not only forgive us, but to make us a new creation today. God, we say we believe that you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life we should have lived. And on the cross, died the sacrificial death that we should have died. And three days later, you raised him from the dead so that we could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, would you forgive and free me to live that new life today. I proclaim Jesus my Lord 
and ask you to show me how to do so, loving you as you've loved me. In Christ's mighty name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ together. We invite you to our service in person next week where you can begin to celebrate these, uh, these rhythms and these gatherings of faith where we're putting once again Christ on, on display and we're allowing our hearts to be turned towards him wholeheartedly. <coughs> Finally, if you are making a decision today to follow Christ, why don't you complete that by allowing yourself to cross that Red Sea and contact us so that you too can get baptized in water and come into the new life in Christ. And so God bless you. Let's go back into worship now and honor the one who's loved us so in Jesus' name.